Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Trevor here with a quick little update before we start today's episode. We are focusing the show more on direct-to-consumer businesses, agritourism, and exciting technologies that are really kind of reshaping how our food is being made. So I'm doing this because I think this is going to be phenomenal because we can really help you, the consumer, build lasting relationships and show you how you can support farmers um, that have amazing products and maybe that are growing their produce or their animals or their livestock in methods that you really, really support. And so we're going to have a lot of awesome guests over the next couple of weeks and months and years. And so really, we want to drive home that point of building relationships. And we really hope this show does this going forward. So Get ready for some new intros, nothing drastic, don't worry, but just kind of some streamlined content. So, all right, on with the show. Welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. Thanks to -to direct-to-consumer businesses, the rise of agritourism, and even social media, it's never been easier for consumers to connect with those producing their food. Here on the Farm Traveler Podcast, we want to connect you with businesses offering direct-to-consumer products you can try at home, agritourism sites you can visit with your family, and exciting new technologies that are changing how your food is being grown. This week, we'll be talking with Neil Dudley from Peterson Farms, a direct-to-consumer meat company. Peterson Farms' first product was a no-added sugar, no hormones, no added nitrates, no antibiotics, vegetarian-fed, humanely-raised bacon product. The company now carries a wide assortment of products from hams to sausages, hot dogs, and even deli meat. As the company's vice president, Neil has helped Peterson Farms see a 1,000% revenue growth over the past 10 years. Neil is passionate about the agriculture industry, sustainable farming and ranching practices, and the Western lifestyle. In our interview, Neil and I chat about his background and the background of Peterson Farms, what sustainability looks like on the farm, his passion for cowboy life and Western culture, the impact of the TV show Yellowstone, and the mentality of no days off. When you're done listening, be sure to check out Peterson Farms' website, as well as their podcast, Powered by Protein, which is also hosted by Neil. 
All of the information will be in the description below, and enjoy the show. All right, well, Neil, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Man, it is going great. Uh, I'm in Central Texas, and the truth is we've been having some wildfires, and just yesterday <laughs> it rained, so we've been in just a drought and in fires, and we got a rain. The fires have kind of subsided. They're not out, but they got a little better handle on them. So I don't know. For a farmer, a rancher, a guy that's into agriculture, <laughs> you don't want fires and you do want rain. So I, I guess I'm just as good as I can be. And that's rambling a little bit. But for those people that empathize with making a living based on Mother Nature's whim, you'll know how truthful my statement really is. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I've been I follow a couple of farmers on Instagram and farmers Dan is one and he farms um I think in Central Texas and he shared a picture he was like, "Yeah, it's raining today and then this morning it was just covered in snow like 2 or 3 inches of snow." And so, I mean, that can kind of disrupt things a little bit, I can imagine. Sure. I mean, they're trying to get spring crops planted uh, right on time so they're catching the soil warm enough to germinate, but not going to go back to too cold to kill them, you know? So <laughs> it, it's a trick. I bet. Yeah. I mean, and going off the wildfire thing, I'm here in North Florida and we actually had some crazy wildfires, I think like a week ago. And I mean, that's something we struggle with here a lot in the panhandle. We've got fires all the time, whether they're prescribed burns or, or wildfires. And I mean, I know that feeling, man, you never know when they're going to pop up. They're wild. Yeah, well, just our our climate right now has been mm -hmm. so dry, and just any forage in the light. They said one of the big fires was caused from a highline pole. The wind was blowing so high, it slapped a couple lines together and created a big fire, and it ran down the line, hit a, uh, I guess, an insulation juncture sprang off into the down to the ground and started a wildfire that ended up killing animals burning up people's houses i mean it's tragic uh just what it will do mother nature is you know dangerous and also beautiful <laughs> you know yeah, just that's that true it's, it's dangerous and you've got to respect it <laughs> yes sir that's true I all right, so you are with a company called Peterson's Natural Farms, and you guys, I mean, you're like a multi-million dollar company. You've got a great storefront online providing beef, pork, and all that stuff. So, I mean, how'd you get started with that? What's your background? Well, it's kind of a winding story. <laughs> um, I was born and raised on a ranch in Central Texas. I used to crawl into my mom and dad's bedroom and sleep try to sneak in so they wouldn't know I was in there because if they knew I was coming, they'd run me out and, and sleep by my dad's side of the bed. So he would get up, step on me. I would wake up and I'd get to go with him to do whatever it might be that he does. So that's kind of just the very early beginnings of my life, ranching, farming, working the ground, living in animals, understanding or really loving animals. Then I went to college, I rodeoed, I went to graduate school, 
I came back, worked on the ranch for a little bit. My best friend since kindergarten had done all those same things. We, we were very similar. Matter of fact, if he was sitting beside me, you'd think we're brothers. We, we look a lot alike. <laughs> we're about the same build. People are always confusing us, which has been one of those lucky things in business. We can be a lot of places, you know. Hey, there you go. It's yeah. almost <laughs> like there's, we're recognizable in a lot of places. And if they didn't know me and they saw him, they would think it's me and they'd go and talk to him. And so we just are able to meet a lot of people that way. Anyways, he had graduated. Uh, they were starting a family. He was day working cowboy, ended up getting hired at Peterson's in 01 or something, 2001, about that time. He worked in the company for a year and was promoted to president. And when he got promoted to president, he called me. He said, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I'm a bachelor. I'm rodeoing and working <laughs> for dad. He, he said, well, come over here and work at this pork company with me. That's where my education in bacon, sausage, ham, pork really began about 2002. So almost 20 years now. It's been a really fun ride. That sounds like, and I mean, yeah, looking at the website, I mean, you guys offer like a bunch of products and it kind of hits home. It's like all humane, sustainably grown, stuff like that. So what exactly does that kind of look like on, on the farm level? Okay. I think the best way to illustrate that is just tell the listeners to go Google Global Animal Partnership. We mm. adhere on our farms to their step one standards, which it's a five-step thing. It's actually a five-plus-step thing, and we're the step one. So to say we are doing it the most humane way or the most uh, stringent way would not be true. We're, we're the level one but we're able to produce at a capacity and a volume that works good. It allows us to be competitively priced and those kind of things. But what it means is we really get away from gestation crates, farrowing crates, some of those things they do to little pigs in commodity operations like uh, knocking off their little mm. teeth and cutting tails or docking tails. We don't do those things where uh, all the, the sows live gestation is really the crazy long time in a pig's reproduction cycle. I said crazy long. It's not really crazy long. They can have two litters a year, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of time where they need to be just growing the babies. So that time can be pretty sad if it's in a gestation crate. I mean, picture your dog crate and not even that big. I mean, they can't turn around in gestation crates. So they stand up, eat, lay down. That's, that's really all. We got away from that. That to me doesn't seem fun or interesting or any of those things with my background and my understanding of animals. And I say mine, the companies. Mm -hmm. Cody's and everybody that works in our company has that same uh, heart for the animal philosophy towards better for you food. And, and at the end of the day, if you're eating animal protein, it has to start with the soil and the way the animals are raised. The soil, their, their food is grown in, 
and the way they're raised and handled. Yeah, I, I mean, that's did a really that good answer point. Your bringing question. Up. No, yeah, no, it, it totally did. And I mean, yeah, a lot of people, they, I don't know, the whole gestation crate thing, like, I'm, I totally agree with your, your, your point of it. And I know a lot of people, they, I don't know, it's, it's so complicated. Like, what do you think about the claim that kind of like the natural way you guys are doing it? Some people say that it can't really meet demand. So what do you think about that? I mean, that's why some people like larger operations would use gestation crates where they can produce more. And so what's kind of your response for that? What demand? I mean, demand comes in a lot of different Mm. uh, forms, right? Uh, So in truth, you can raise more pigs in a smaller area with gestation crates. So if you have a finite amount of space, you, you, there's, it's sensible if, if what you're looking for is to fulfill demand for food, just plain mm. nutrition. Like we are short on food, period. We have to have some, right? So, and we're trying to feed the world. So that argument, not trying, we really are in a lot of ways feeding the world. So it's this yin and yang. I think demand has to be thought of in, in different categories so now Mm -hmm. the demand we cater to or feel very passionate about are someone who who cares about those things uh you know what the animal is fed what ingredients are in your products what what uh that humane piece of the puzzle looks like and if you're thinking that you can service that demand <laughs> with the other <laughs> solution it, it doesn't work nor nor could our process i mean service the feed the world demand at least at some point i think we could right now today because in america there is room when when the room disappears that argument gets a lot stronger in my opinion mm. that's a good point i really like that yeah i mean I feel like now, especially consumers are more interested and they want to buy stuff that they, I mean, I was listening to a really good podcast from um, Tim Hamrick, who has the, um, the future of ag podcast. And he was talking about kind of some new areas that consumers are interested with their food. Like it used to just be nutrition, taste, and cost. And now it's like sustainability, humane, all this stuff. And so it seems like for this, it's checking a lot more boxes than food used to. And so consumers find something like your products and they gravitate to it. They're like, you know what? This might taste good, but it also supports a lot of the things that I agree with, like sustainability, raising um, the pigs humanely and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's awesome. You guys are kind of taking advantage of that. Well, we're definitely taking advantage of it. We want to take advantage of it. We need to be a member of the community. I need to look similar Mm -hmm. to the, you know, I need to be, the people that are buying our products. Look, I won't understand them. They won't understand me. It's part of the reason I want to come onto your podcast and talk to you and give your audience a chance to meet me and our brand. We stand for a lot of things. We try to give back. I mean, those things are important for a brand. They're important for, uh, I don't know, you start getting into this generational debate. Right. So baby boomers 
Xers, mm-hmm. I'm an X, Millennials, Zs. Um, there's some validity in that. The truth is we've all lived a pretty different reality as we grew up. So different things become more important. Uh, you know, if I look at my parents, they're boomers. They're just right on the heels of the Great Depression. You know, uh, their parents lived through that. So they treated them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, that meant they didn't treat them like, you know, they got less <laughs> attention from their parents because they were working a lot to, and they valued every penny to the nth degree because they had been there where there was no money. So you did for, you had to raise your own food. And, and that's so then the Xers, well, I'm a little further removed from that. If you think about my life truly, how much real hardship have I lived through? I mean, mm-hmm. a couple of little bubbles in the economy, a pandemic. I mean, the pandemic's probably the biggest thing for me that I've lived through. But I just have a different perspective. If you start thinking about millennials who have just in a very short amount of time, they're going to have the biggest buying purchasing power in the economy. You've got to make sure your brand, your company is paying attention to their needs, their expectations, or you won't be around. I mean, that's just, that's where (laughs) companies disappear. They lose sight of that truth that consumers change. We have to work with them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you've got to really adapt. I mean, you hear that phrase all the time, like adapt or die. And if you don't do what the consumers want, if you don't go what they're like asking for, then you're not going to be in business. I mean, it's always, it's about like adapting to the consumer, but also not like selling your soul, like being true to you and your story, but also doing something that the consumers want. Yes, sir. I think the animal protein industry has a great opportunity in front of them to really be a part of the community and get in conversations. I just went to Expo West. It's a big natural foods uh, conference out in Anaheim, California. Mm. Every third booth there was some vegetarian meat supplement, Uh, you know, either a chicken nugget, uh, meat stick, or, you know, like a snack stick or just vegetarian everything everywhere it was the biggest theme from my perspective at that show and if you if you come sit at the coffee shop with me you're going to hear a bunch of boomer age x er age ranchers farmers and ranchers pontificating about how stupid all that is but i i try to tell them that's what's going to put our industry out of business if we don't get involved, be a part of the education, help people understand the truth. See, people can only have an opinion based on their experience. I ha- Every opinion mm-hmm. I have is based on my experience or something a trusted advisor told me, right? So a vegetarian who is choosing the vegetarian lifestyle because of their love for animals is the, their position is as valid as mine. I choose to eat animal protein because of the love for animals. So it's, it's just a thing where you have to have that great 
conversation in which no one is right or wrong. We're both real, <laughs> alive, smart, capable humans <laughs> that have different experiences. Yeah, I feel like that's something that can apply to everything, like politics, especially diets now. I mean, we've all got our own backgrounds. We've all got our own, like you said, like things that we've learned from experts that we know. And so it's not like we're all just pulling out, I don't know, our ideas from left field. Like we all usually have done a fair amount of research. And so our, those opinions are valid. And I mean, just because we disagree on something doesn't mean that that's the worst thing in the world. Like we can disagree and that's okay. And I think that, that's that's a very good point that you're bringing up. Oh, well, I'm passionate about what I do. <laughs> I think everybody should think like I think. Where I would really go into a bad rabbit hole is is start believing that is possible. <laughs> it's impossible because nobody, and in truth, I'm in the very small minority of humans that grew up with the experiences I have. I mean, you could even, you can go towards race, sexual orientation, all these, there's a million hot topics right now that I have to be willing to understand. I'm really deaf to just because of my truth in where I've been in life and what I've lived through. I mean, so to say, <laughs> I know is just be a lie because I don't, I, I have an opinion and I feel pretty strongly about it but it doesn't man. I've been wrong so many times about so many different things. <laughs> I just got over the idea that I had to be right. And, and I think it really makes me skeptical of anybody who says I did it. You know, Trump kind of bothered me in this way a little bit. I did it. Well, no, you didn't. And everybody knows you didn't because nobody does it by themselves. Yeah. I like that, man. So, so going off of some of those perspectives, I know one thing you really like to share is kind of your cowboy perspective on things and kind of growing up around ranching and all that stuff. So is there anything that kind of really stands out to you that you kind of like to share about that whole cowboy perspective of things? Oh, well, just a lot of them come to mind. Probably the, <laughs> the best one is building a team with your horse. Like that's a thing I, mm -hmm. I learned and was taught and had to figure out and ended up being so valuable to me in business, well, in church, in teaching the softball girls how to play softball. There's just steps to it. You have to kind of pick good players. Then you want to build trust. Then you need to have experiences together. Um, it works within teams of a company as well. Uh, just that cowboy relationship with a horse and even not having the same languages, right? I need to learn their language. They have to learn my language a little bit. Mm. It turned out to be just so valuable to me. And I've said so valuable about 29 times, but it really works well in life. And for those of you who don't know, and I really appreciate Trevor lending me this platform to kind of tell you about the Cowboy Perspective podcast. You can go over there and listen to it. There's episodes with my dad, my mom, uh, and a lot of other people that have just mentored me along the way, or I look, I look to for guidance. An example is a guy named Jay Samet, 
and he's not a cowboy, but he paints cowboy watercolor. And he's mm. been the CEO of Sony. You know, I mean, he's done some really oh, cool. cool things. And he definitely has a cowboy perspective, although he doesn't call it a cowboy perspective. He just calls it his perspective. But it has grit. It has grind. It has failure. It has success. That That's the cowboy perspective. If you're out there working cattle, you're going to live all those truths. You're going to get bucked off. You're going to have to get up, get back on the horse. You're going to have a baby calf die, which is sad. You have to, okay, but we're still all here and mama's okay. And let's just, there's so much there that, that just parallels life in a lot of ways. I like that kind of that sense of grit. And I feel like that's something I follow this website. It's called the art of manliness. And they kind of talk about that stuff a little bit, how you've got to have grit. You've got to, I don't know, lace up your bootstraps and just get at it. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people are, I don't know, as we go towards like an easier way of life. I mean, I'm guilty of it. We got DoorDash. We, life is so simple now. We're kind of losing that that edge. Like we're, we're losing that kind of, you know, dealing and persevering and just kind of getting through it all instead of just like, you know, everything should be easy. We shouldn't have to struggle through things. And I mean, right. I'm guilty as that Trevor. just as anybody. So yeah, we all are. I am. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to wake up. At, I don't want to wake up at four 30 and go to the gym. I don't want to pretty much every morning when that my eyes come open and I look at the clock, I think mm, I can skip. But then I sit there and I just, <laughs> get myself up and I go and I sweat and I am sore because I want to practice mm. doing that. So when I have to, I'm in practice. I'm capable. I just did a thing called 75 hard, spent 75 days working out every day, two workouts a day, drink a gallon of water, read 10 pages of a book, uh, follow a diet. I took a cold shower with it. And I think people kind of look at me and think, I oh, mean, I don't know. This guy's a little bit off plumb. He's not really, I don't want to do that. I'm not really saying you have to. I'm saying I choose to because when the yeah. hard times come, I want to be in practice of fighting myself mentally to keep going, right? Because if you don't practice that and then, uh-oh, you need to find it. It'd be like any sport, even podcasting. If I don't have conversations pretty often, I, I can't just spur up and go be a great either guest or a host. I, I need to stay in practice. I need to come up with new things to talk about, new perspectives. Anyways, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think it's really <laughs> important for everybody to think about that a little. Just challenge yourself. Uh, it doesn't have to be with a workout. It could be with writing. Write that book you've always wanted to write. Now, damn sure do the 30 minutes of writing you need to do every day when you, you don't have that option. You have to do it. And it doesn't matter if you write a page or not. You might just write one sentence, but you did the work. Yeah, that, that's the important thing. You did the work. And I think something that's really tricky, especially if you're like trying to get back into it, is like kind of getting that rust off and know that like it's not going to happen instantly. Like it's going to take a while. It's going to take a little bit of while for you to get in the groove of it. But I mean, once you kind of go through that building block, you're going to hopefully kind of see some, I don't know, some growth. And you're like, okay, I should keep doing this. And then not just give up at the first instance of you're like, eh, this isn't doing anything. Sure. It just made me think that's the cowboy perspective, mm -hmm. right? 
I never, as a kid, woke up one single day in my life and thought, we don't have anything to do. We had something. Farming and ranching has something to do every day. There is never a, and if there happens to be this one unicorn day where there's nothing to do, guess what? A water line's going to bust or a cow's going to get out on the road. It's, uh, it's going to, who knows? There'll be something that messes that up. It's why mm-hmm. most, I don't know, I bet farmers and ranchers take zero vacations. I mean, they just don't. They, they love the thing they do so much. I've got an uncle. You can't talk him into leaving town because <laughs> he knows every morning he's got to feed the bulls and he just will never miss that. Now, part of it is he doesn't want to leave town. He doesn't want to go be around a bunch of people at some reunion or whatever it might be. <laughs> the other thing is that's his routine. It's really mm. just no days off. I put, I'll hashtag that on my Instagram pretty often. Like hashtag no days off. No that's days a reality. Off. For businessmen, uh, people that are going for anything, you could even professional athletes. I bet mm-hmm. you could ask Tom Brady about his days off. He doesn't probably take a lot of days off, or I don't know. That's just the first one that came to my mind. There's a million of them: tennis players, golfers, hurlers. <laughs> we had a pretty cool meme <laughs> on our uh, Instagram, Peterson's Instagram, of one of the hurlers at the Winter Olympics hurling a ham instead of uh, one of those, whatever they call those little balls <laughs> they throw. I'd watch that. That'd be fun watch them hurl a ham. That would be pretty fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. That would be funny. All right, so so before I forget, kind of going off that whole cowboy perspective, um, I've got to be totally honest with you. So, I, I mean, I grew up around agriculture, but I didn't really grow up around livestock or horses. And kind of the 3,000-foot glance, I saw horse people, and I was like, they're just horses like you know i was one of those people but then my wife and i i think last year we went um to saint lucia and one of the um activities we did we rode horses around and within the first 10 minutes on that horse his name was junior i was riding junior and i'm like i get it i like these horses these horses are great i totally get it and it was just like a whole paradigm shift i went from like i don't understand horse people to like I 100% get it. I mean, I was with that horse for maybe an hour, but I don't know. I felt like we bonded and I was petting him. We we're just having a good time. And I was like, I totally yeah. understand the passion that people have with horses. I mean, they're like big dogs. You just love them. They're so fun. So yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I, th- I thought you might appreciate that. I, I do. Horses are my number one passion. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's a little bit of an overstatement because... My family's probably, truthfully, my number one passion. But horses mm-hmm. are a real close second. And business is a real close second. I really love business. I love the competition of it. I love the people of business. Like, you, man, now you and I are connected. We've had a great conversation. It's not over yet, but even this first 20 minutes, whatever it's been, <laughs> has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Like these are connections. I think when I die, that's what I'm going to be proud of, right? It, the people I met, the conversations I had and just sharing this time on earth together. So horses do that for me. 
we just been doing some spring branding here with our calves are big enough. We need to vaccinate them, brand them. And I spent three days doing the uh, annual soul reset, where it's just me, a bunch of cowboy friends, gathering cattle, working cattle, riding horses. And, and I think that other people have the exact same thing in other ways. It might be riding mountain bikes. It might be going to the skateboard park. It might be ballet dancing. You know, there's, you all can relate to what I'm saying. I don't care who you are. You just do it with a different thing. Mm -hmm. Playing dominoes. I, I don't know. It could be so much. Playing chess. There's, you all have that soul reset. Now, just understand mine is horseback riding. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like that's so cool. So I got to ask real quick. I know there's this huge push on this new show, Yellowstone. So are you a fan? Have you watched it? Uh, oh, yeah. We've watched every episode. Every I've got kind of a funny story with that. On uh -oh. my podcast, I debunk the first episode of Yellowstone. They do a scene early on, which I'm very proud of them for, a calf pulling scene. So it's like a cow having, having a hard time giving birth. Okay, yeah. And they go out there and they did, you know, they tried, they let everybody know that's a reality in ranching. Cows will have a hard time giving birth and you go out there and help them. Um, anyways, but afterwards the calf just jumped up and ran off. That's not <laughs> how it really works. You know, so it ain't quite like that. That's how that was kind of the title of the episode in my, on my podcast or, the Cowboy Perspectives podcast. Well, I posted that in a Facebook group of Yellowstone fans. That was the first, my first real experience with haters. You know, <laughs> they love Yellowstone. They don't want to hear anything about how that's not how it really is. And I can understand that. It's They're, they're using it for entertainment. I'm using it more of a, look, this is how the ranching industry is being portrayed now to a whole new audience, to a whole new group of people. I want, I want it to be kind of fact-based, but that doesn't necessarily always play well for entertainment. That's true. It's kind of been romanticized, but I mean, at least it's been kind of cool because it's gotten a lot of people that are removed from agriculture and ranching more interested in it. They're like, you know what? This whole cowboy life like thing, I, like I've seen so many pictures of people going to like dude ranches in the summer. And like they're going there, they're going to camps and stuff like that. They're getting active, they're getting outdoors, which I think is really, really cool. All thanks to a show. So I think that's really fun. Uh, uh, yes, Taylor Sheridan, high five. You know, Kevin Costner. Uh, forget the guy. He plays Rip on the show. I can't think of his name. Cole Hauser. High five <clears> to those <throat> guys. Um, they're doing a great thing for the Western lifestyle for this industry uh, as a whole because. I, I was getting this hat right here. Actually, if you see right here, it's a little too tight. It puts a line on my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it to the hat company and I uh, asked them to stretch it. Well, I was talking to them just as I'm in there, like, hey, how's business? And they're like, Yellowstone has boomed our business. Because hey, you know, there you go. Biden is coming in saying, I want a cowboy hat. I want it to look like John Dutton. I want it to look like Rip. So within our space western lifestyle cowboy cowgirl uh 
businesses and services, it's been good. We've been able to really see some growth that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. So you got to say thank you so much to Taylor and all those people that make Yellowstone what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's helping them. I mean, especially during this crazy COVID thing. And I mean, I'm sure, do you think, I mean, especially with COVID have, what kind of impact did you guys at Peterson farms have with that? Cause I know some people struggled, some people, it was weird. They saw tremendous growth. So what was that whole experience like for you guys? We saw tremendous growth. So as a company, prior to COVID, we were mainly retail focused. So our Mm -hmm. big business was done with grocery stores. Whole Foods is our largest customer nationwide. And most of the supernatural retailers. We didn't do Mm -hmm. a lot of food service business. So when all that poop hit the fan with shutting down restaurants and the whole food service side of our economy just went dead well it all of that business just came to the retail stores and Mm. we own our own plant so we were able to pick up the slack where other people were dropping the ball so it really we had our biggest uh profit year the year of the pandemic and we had our biggest sales year in 2021 which i don't know what is the year of the pandemic you know i think of it as really (laughs) We're just, it's kind of a two-year thing, actually, in yeah. my mind. We're just kind of on the tail end of it now where people are, Ukraine has caught our attention and we've all decided to focus on something else. But the first year of the pandemic was really good. The second year was great for sales, but profitability disappeared. Supply chain issues killed us. Freight issues killed us. All of those mm. pieces of your business start going up in cost to you by 15 to 50 percent and we are adverse to raising prices to our customers and consumers so we wait and we hope that's gonna oh i hope this stuff goes back it doesn't then you have to start raising prices now we're in this crazy inflationary period everybody's feeling it i just bought a chopped beef sandwich at the local barbecue shop for 20 dollars uh, I mean, it, it was just that that would have been an eight dollar sandwich. Oh, yeah. Six months ago. And he's sitting there selling twenty dollar barbecue sandwiches to one person. Nobody else is there because they don't want to spend twenty dollars <laughs> on barbecue sandwiches. Uh, I think we're all just in for a, probably some tough sledding in the near future with this inflation and the realities that all this money they pump back into everybody's pockets about gone. Yeah. I mean, it's been what, especially with, with you guys as direct to consumer model, I've saw, I've seen so many businesses in the midst of the pandemic in order for them to survive. It wasn't that they wanted to do direct. They had to do direct to kind of save the business. And so, I mean, you guys are another story of that. Like you, you were in retail and then COVID hit and you're like, Hey, let's go direct. And so, I mean, what was kind of the growth behind that? Like, what did you guys do? What did you guys have to do to in order to like pivot that? And because that's like a whole new industry there. Well, we were particularly lucky. We had already started moving that direction. So before the Mm. pandemic hit, we were doing some direct to consumer. 
because we knew we needed to understand it. We knew we needed to be in the game, but it wasn't, I guess, pressing. You know, you know, it's why I talk about get up early, practice yeah. this thing that's hard. We were practicing it before the pressure came. So we kind of already had our website spun up. We actually have two websites. We have another one called The Simple Grocer, um, which is an interesting story in itself. We started The Simple Grocer four years ago and totally kept it separate from anything branded Peterson's because we didn't want to offend retailers. Our, our retail business that we are now competing with them direct to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Turns out that's actually a win-win for everybody. Like taking care of the consumers in every situation is a win. Everybody's got to get over them. I own them. No, we all are here to service the consumers. We need to do that as well as we can. And as a team, instead of this, this is a great statement, and I, I don't own it. I did not come up with it, but I totally believe it. There is abundant opportunity out there such that I do not have to, or there's no one else that has to fail for me to succeed. So when you think about it like that, it's not about me beating the other guy. It's just about go get the opportunity that I can get, do the best I can. I like that. It's not about beating your competition. Really touched on you. No, no, you're good. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it's not about beating your competition. It's about like supplying your product, making sure it's good and telling your story as best as you can. And then if you do that, you're golden. That's right. And if for whatever reason you go out of business, you deserve to go out of business. You weren't doing a thing that anybody else wanted or cared about or you weren't. You were just not smart enough to tell the story of it, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Capitalism is great in that way. It will promote you as long as you are solving the problem, right? But it will kill you as soon as you aren't. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, as soon as you're not solving the problem or if you're not changing with the times, you're going to go under. I mean, you've always got to be solving that problem or yeah, you're basically screwed. I That's think wild. about your listeners. I just hope there's uh, there's information here that they look. I am no mm -hmm. brilliant uh, Marcus Aurelius or something, you know. Like <laughs> I only know what I've lived, experienced, heard from other guys like Trevor, and I listen to podcasts. A lot of people putting content out, you find they don't consume content. Uh, you know, they just put it out all the time. They're not consuming other people's content. That's not true for me. I listen to books. I have a pretty big commute, so I'm listening to books, other podcasts. So everything you get from me is, is really stuff I've learned from other people or my life now run through my filter of my eyes and my brain and my experience as a businessman, a cowboy, and hopefully it comes across to you and a way that just gives you another way to think about it because that's the way I end up changing my mind about things. Well, I heard about that a different way. You know, that makes sense now. Maybe I, maybe I was wrong about that. <laughs> you, you mean it's okay to change your mind nowadays? You can do that. 
I think it is. I think it's like vulnerability. <laughs> you get into these masculinity groups. Uh, you mentioned one. I watch a guy named Ryan Mickler. His group's called the Order of Man. Order of Man. I love and Ryan. I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of value there. I, I like it. It's valuable to me. It makes me a better man. But I also kind of make sure I don't get too far on the other side of that in, in just going the other way with it, right? I think I want to find that happy medium for me. And that's probably what you have to answer for yourself. Yeah, that's true. I've always kind of thought of it as like, you know, you don't want to be closed mind. You don't want to keep the door completely shut, but you also don't want to leave it wide open. Leave it cracked a little bit where some new information can come in. You can change your mind. You're not being stubborn. You're not being kind of letting ideas push you around. You're still standing by your morals. Like it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to listen to new ideas and just kind of go from there. I mean, yeah, it's what I, I love um, Ryan and his order of man podcast and just the whole thing he stands for. That's really good. Art of manliness. I mean, those are all just like great ideas. And I, I think it's cool that all these communities too are going up, like whether you're in a community just for the Western life, I feel like there are communities for that, or even there's communities for podcasters, like all these communities are popping up because people have these like, I don't know, shared experiences or shared problems or frustrations that they want to talk about. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, it's valuable to me. I tell people that listen to my podcast all the time, if they make it to the end and they're hearing the outro, they have wasted or invested their time based on the kind of information or value I'm adding. So I, I take that responsibility mm -hmm. very serious. I think I do not want anybody to ever get an hour into listening to what, any conversation I've had and, and look back and think, dang, I won't ever get that hour back. I want them to leave <laughs> thinking, wow, that was a good hour. Now let me go get my next hour. Cause I'm excited about it. And now I don't do that every time. I mean, look, if I'm batting 500, that's pretty good average. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, I mean, especially kind of like you were saying earlier, like if you're, if you're creating content, you've got to make sure that it's, good content that it's valuable that it's bringing something to your audience i mean because i mean th those people listening or watching your content they're like investing their time like that's something you literally can't get back like if somebody listens to your show for an hour they can't get back that time ever like it's gone and so you've got to make sure it's valuable and i mean that's something i i experienced like a lot of pressure i'm like i really hope that i'm making good episodes like i hope i'm not creating bad questions or i'm not over preparing like it's it's a lot of pressure. You got to make sure yeah, that that time yeah. is going to be valuable sure. to whoever listens. I mean, especially to you, the person I'm interviewing, like, I, like, man, I hope I don't waste Neil's time. I hope I ask him some good questions. I hope we have like good rapport going back and forth. Like there's a lot of pressure there. You want to make sure that everything is worth it in the end. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I think I have probably, you might even experience this a little bit is this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. like, do I really know anything that anybody wants to hear? Hell yeah, I do. You do. <laughs> that's why we're, well, that's why we have something to talk about. Now, did I solve everybody's problems? Did I just teach you how to make $10 million in the next 30 days? No, 
But we talked about some stuff. If you use in your life, you can go make $10 million in the next five years. Like there's been, comp there's been definite nuggets of information in this conversation that people can use and take implement in their lives and do better. And I'm talking about money, screw money, go for happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Like money to me helps me get my happiness. It provides me security. It lets me do some of the things that I want to do. It helps me provide for my family. Money is one of those things that a lot of people uh, get lost chasing. So I, I really uh, uh, protect myself against chasing money. Although I like it as a tool. I really love it as a tool because you can, with more money, you can do more good. With more money, you can affect change. You can leverage your family to experiences, which is what life's all about. You know, it's like you can't take that billion dollars. Somebody said it like this. You never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. they aren't taking the stuff with them. All you get, what you have is your experiences. It's what you have. Build them, make them great, and money can help you do that. So use it as that tool it ultimately is. Yeah, if you're like going after money, I can't remember who I've heard say this, but if you're like going after money so you can do stuff, so you can live a better life, so you can help people, that's good. But if you're just going after money to go after money, that's a problem. Like you need to make sure that that money is helping people that you're doing something productive with, that you're taking care of your loved ones or whatever. But if you're like, oh, I just want to be a billionaire, then you're going to have some issues. I mean, like, like if you look right. at Elon, like he's solving all these issues and he's a multi-billionaire, but I would say he's doing it the good way. Like he's trying to solve countless issues with all of his money. Right. And who, who am I to judge, right? I, I mm. would not turn down a billion dollars. If you wanted to give me a billion, I wouldn't turn it down. I would go get that private plane. I so wish I had. Uh, but I need to be living a life so that in that, that is not what defines my happiness. Mm. Yes, it's a great tool. Now I'm using that plane for more some other things that help, that provide solutions. But seeing that plane in the hangar is not what makes me feel happy in life. You know? Yeah. It's what you get to do with that plane that makes you happy. Yes. Yes. I like that. Man, I, think Neil, I feel like we've challenge. talked about everything, like not only your business and like, Oh yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's something, I mean, especially with social media and you know, you have people like Gary Vanderchuk where he's like, get more money, get more money, hustle, hustle, hustle. And you've got all these like social media influencers that are like, oh, just chase money. And people will take that like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go after the money and not what it can do for me. And I feel like that's hopefully I think that's... if you listen to Gary, listen to Gary really close. I disagree with that. Really? I don't think he says get more money. I think he says get happy, love the process. Like he wants to buy the jets, but he doesn't. Like he probably won't will kind of be sad the day he actually buys the jets because the piece he loves the most is the process mm. of making that happen. That's what you got to find is how you love that process. Like I love the process of training a horse. You know, I mean, and that never ends because 
a horse is always has this chance to grow and get better and learn a new thing. Same as I do. I've really learned to embrace the process of learning myself, mm-hmm. which I didn't do well for a long time. I mean, I just thought I knew it all. I was, I was just the guy that could make it all happen. I guess it comes with age a little bit. You realize, man, I need to be reading books. I need to be listening <laughs> to some other people because I really don't know anything. Yeah, that's kind of like that Kobe Bryant quote. I can't remember what it was, but it was like the best part isn't when you're in the finals shooting the three-pointer. It's when you're you're waking up at 4 a.m., when you have that opportunity that you can go after what you want. And that is the good part, not like the apex, what you think it is. So, I mean, that's a good paradigm shift. So I might have to go to back say, and watch but... some more Gary V videos. <laughs> yeah, you know, Gary Vee's an interesting guy. The only reason I do a podcast is I was driving down the road listening to Gary Vee, and he said, if you're not doing a podcast, you're losing. So I went straight to the office and started buying podcast equipment. Bought all the wrong stuff, had no clue what I was doing, but <laughs> I was like, that is kind of a thing I preach, or at least if you pay attention to me, you think I'm any good, that is what I'm good at. I, I go, I do. And, and a lot of times that means I mess up, but I just had to learn to let that go. Like, okay, yes, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to give a speech with my fly down. I'm going to fall down the stairs coming off the stage. Like you cannot avoid embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's impossible. Everybody's going to get embarrassed. So I just like, okay, cool. I mean, whenever the embarrassment comes, the fact is that only means I'm trying and I want to be trying. Man, I relate to that so much because, I mean, if you want your content to be perfect, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to find some flaw with it. So you just got to get it out there, errors and everything, because at least it's out there. And I mean, nobody's really, that's something I've realized that nobody is expecting perfection from you except you. Like, you've just got to get your content out there and people will go toward it. Like, they'll gravitate to you and they want to hear your perspective on it. Not your perfection, but just kind of like your say-so in the matter. Hey, I know there are people out there like me. Not all of them wear a cowboy hat. Not all of them live in Texas, but they're like me. And I, I want I want to just be somebody that they can look at and say, oh, I'm kind of like that guy. You know, he's he's a little bit goofy. He's had some success. I've, you know, like you can relate. We are alike. Let's do this thing together. Let's play the game. <laughs> I like that. Let's play the game. That might be the quote of the episode. Um, Well, Neil, I feel like we've talked about everything, man. In this episode, we've talked about, I mean, your business background, the podcast, everything, the Western life. I mean, geez, everything really, which I mean, always, that's always a great interview. I think so. Like that's my philosophy. Although if you listen to the podcast experts, they're, they're talking about niche down, make sure you're talking about this special specific niche Mm -hmm. thing. I'm just like, uh, I cannot buy that because I would enjoy listening to this conversation. If I wasn't me and I was just a listener, I would enjoy listening to this. <laughs> I love the variety. Oh, yeah, cool. Now we're going to talk about Gary V. Oh, he's talking about a baby calf being born. Like, <laughs> I want that variety. So I believe there are other people like me. I also know my wife would hate it. She, it's, 
it sprawls over too many different topics. Uh, she wouldn't be interested in half of them. That's okay. This episode isn't for everybody. It's for the people who like it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then for everybody else, find, I promise there's another one somewhere else that you'll love. Go find that yeah. one. Don't yeah, hate you- podcasting because you didn't love this episode. Look around a little bit. Don't hate Trevor's show because you didn't love this episode. Listen to some of his other stuff. You'll find greatness there. Yeah, I mean, it's like a TV show. Like, if there's one bad episode of a TV show, you don't stop watching it. You keep watching it. You're just like, oh, it was an episode. Was it for me or for somebody else? I'm going to keep watching it. Like, hopefully they keep listening to the podcast and your podcast and all that wild stuff. But yeah, I like that. That, that, That's a very good perspective. I think you have to catch... We have to do a good enough job early on in the conversation to catch their attention. Mm, Yeah, for real. And then, if we don't do that we've got no chance of having a successful enterprise here. But the idea that somebody wants to listen for an hour to the same thing, uh, you know, I think that is true for me. I like it to talk about a lot of different things and sometimes just riff. Uh, Somebody said riff the other day. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. I don't play guitar, but I riff on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> hey there you go yeah i'll have to do a little science experiment um which i guess you could too like i always like going in with the metrics of the podcast episodes and seeing what the listen are like um oh did they listen to 70 percent of the episode or 100 percent or 50 percent and just kind of do an experiment and see like with this conversation if there's a longer listenership than there is like with other episodes that are shorter and like more focused on one topic that'd be kind of interesting i might have to run a report on that or something or, you know, you could go and cut up 10-minute pieces of this that are more focused and just put that out. I am so skeptical of podcast analytics. I don't even pay attention mm, to I it. I don't blame you. I mean, I think they're, I, I don't know. I also got down the rabbit hole of thinking I sucked because I wasn't having these huge analytical numbers. Then I had to get over that, and I just decided I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm putting out stuff I love. I enjoy it. I've met Trevor. I'm not going to stop. Man, again, you've got to stop with these things I'm, I'm relating with so much because I was the same way, like just obsessing with numbers <laughs> and like, man, I'm not getting hundreds of thousands of downloads. I'm not Joe Rogan. Why am I doing this? And I mean, as long as you're meeting cool people, having a good time, like it's great. And what was weird it was like a year ago, the numbers were going down and I was getting bummed out. But then the feedback I was getting from family and friends and like just random people was going up drastically. And I was like, that's weird, but totally okay. And it just like the feedback kept going on. Like I get random messages from friends like, Hey, that was a great episode. I didn't know about, I don't know, dairy farming in Ireland. I didn't know about that. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad you're liking it. So it's funny when, when, I mean, yeah. you get down, sometimes you'll have like a good sign and you're like, hey, all right, this is pretty cool. I don't need to get so down about it. That's right. My dad did a great job of that. That's a cowboy perspective I have. Mm-hmm. I would be down because the pretty girl didn't like me or I played a bad game of football or uh, got bucked off, you know, pick any of those things. And my dad was just great. I was so blessed to have him as a dad because he would be like, okay, Neil, cool. Well, did you wake up this morning? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of a good thing, isn't it? Uh, 
are you generally healthy? Like you've got both of your legs and arms and eyes and ears. You can, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's, that's ahead of a lot of people. If you think about it like that, uh, did we get like, we had food to eat today, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So he would just teach me to like, Oh, refocus. It's, it's not Jay Sam even said this and it's a little bit, it's akin to what we're talking about. Disruption is not about what happened to you. It's about how you react to it, mm-hmm. which is kind of, mm-hmm. I think life is not about what happened to you. It's about how you react to it. And if we could all, and I, I say we, like I'm no expert at it. I still have problems with it. I still think I'm ugly. Oh, my abs. I don't have abs. Like it just, <laughs> I still have these same kind of human characteristics that are stupid. All I can say is if you think you're the only one dealing with those things, quit. We all deal with them. I don't know. Pick the most popular person in the world. I couldn't even think of it. Who would it be? Some Instagram influencer, right? Justin Bieber, whatever. They think they suck all the time too. Like nobody is just supremely confident all the time. You don't have to be. It is not required to be successful. Uh, anyways, there I go. Another soapbox. <laughs> no, that was a good riff. I like that. I mean, like in terms of confidence, sometimes you hear that you got to fake it till you make it. Like until you have that confidence that you're, you know what, you suck, but you're still getting at it. You're still improving. You got to fake it until you get to there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Neil, All right, brother. Hey, I love talking to you, but I just realized I'm missing a dentist appointment. <laughs> hey, we all got cavities. Oh, shoot. I got well, cavities. It happens. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a perfect time. Well, perfect. Well, we'll let you go, but let us know, like, where can people go to follow your podcast and, and the, the Peterson Farms website and all that good stuff? That's right. Petersonsfarms.com with a D. P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-S-F-A-R-M-S.com. And I want anybody that's interested in anything you've heard out of me today, please go listen to the Peterson's Farms podcast. You can find it at the website or you can search it on any platform. You can go to YouTube and subscribe and watch on our YouTube channel. But it, I would love feedback. That's one of those examples similar to yours. Like, I can't figure out why, nobody, why those download numbers are so low at the Peterson's Farms podcast. Because, and I tell you, I'm a shameless promoter. Everybody I see, I talk to about that podcast. And not one of them has told me it sucks. Now, and I beg them, I just need the truth. Like, just tell me the <laughs> truth. I, I have to have it. <laughs> if it sucks, I just tell me that. I'm okay. I will survive it. I need to change it. I can do better. They all loved it. Uh, so I would love any of the farm traveler faithful out there <laughs> that goes and listens to the Peterson's Farm podcast to send us a message, any platform, Facebook, Instagram, contact us on the website. Just tell us what you thought about the podcast, which episode you listened to. And if it's good or bad, please just be honest. I think that's important. It's like, man, I just keep talking. I just keep going on to this other thing, but it's important in relationships, right? It's important in business, truthful, honest, immediate feedback. It has to happen that way. That's how it has to happen with a horse. That's how it needs to happen between us. Totally agree. Look, I, uh, yeah, I yeah. like that. I agree. You hurt me. 
Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll link all that in the description, man. But Neil, this was a blast, man. Love chatting with you. Love meeting you. We'll have to talk again soon, man. I appreciate it. You bet. Anytime. If you're ever in Texas, look me up. Also, check out the Iowa Dairy Farmer on Instagram. This dude is doing some really good content about dairy farming. He's like, he's just a unique talent in that way. So check him out. Nice. I don't even know him. I really don't. <laughs> I'm not promoting him. He's just as good. I end up watching his stuff because he's good. And I'm like, dang, I wish I could be like that. <laughs> you know? I've seen some of his videos on Facebook and Instagram, but I'll, I'll try to have him on the show. And yeah, I'll link that in the description as well. Well, perfect. Well, Neil, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You bet, Trevor. Best of luck to you. And thank you so much. Thanks, man. Likewise. See you, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Farm Traveler podcast. Be sure to check out the links below for Peterson Farms and their Powered by Protein podcast hosted by Neil. If you're new here, consider subscribing, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the other dozen podcast players out there that you might be listening to. Also, check us out on thefarmtraveler.com where you can see all of our content, past episodes, all that good stuff, and our exciting new commodities page, which helps you find specific episodes for various commodities in agriculture. For example, let's say you want to listen to um, an, inter an interview with a bison farmer or a strawberry grower, you can go on the commodities page and you can find episodes specifically for those topics. Again, that is just at thefarmtraveler.com and check out the commodities page. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.